Hi, this is Sandy Simpson from Apologetics Coordination Team. Thank you for choosing one of our podcasts, and I hope that you enjoy it and it's a help to you. Today we're going to continue in our study of 1 Corinthians, and today we're in chapter 1, verses 10 through 31. And it starts out by addressing divisions in the church. Verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another, so that there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Verse 11, my brothers, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Verse 12, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, (laughs) another, I follow Cephas, still another, I follow Christ. (laughs) Hmm, The last guy was right. You know, we have unity in the spirit, but we often act like we don't. Ephesians 4.3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So though Christians are given one spirit at the new birth, we have to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Or else what? Well, you know what? That unity can be broken. One way it can be broken is to allow the spiritual unity to be broken by following, of course, false teachers, believing in false doctrines, and through other sins that can divide. So we should have unity in the faith, but many Christians run after false teachers. Ephesians 4.13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's unity of the spirit and unity of the faith. We have to strive for unity in the spirit and unity in the faith, which is unity in doctrine what we actually believe. That's what Paul taught in Ephesians as becoming mature. You know, we can't remain as babies in the faith or we'll end up fodder for the enemy. You can't remain a baby. Babies drown in rough seas. But Christians can even have division over claiming to follow biblical teachers like Paul, Apollos, and Cephas. And we'll delve into that issue a little deeper later, but it would be like saying, I'm of Chuck Smith, uh, I'm of Jacob Prash, (laughs) I'm of Arnold Fruchtenbaum, (laughs) or whoever you're of. (laughs) Whoever is the head of your church, whatever group you're with. But Paul, Paul says this is a worthless argument. On to verse 14. 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? Verse 14. I'm thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. Verse 15. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. 16. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, 
but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Wow. There's a statement that a lot of people who are on TV, preachers and all that, need to pay attention to. It's not your elegant, elegant words. It is the gospel message. So is Christ divided? No. There's one second birth, one spirit, one church. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, there's one body and one spirit. Just as you're called to hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Of course, you can't take that verse and make it be like everybody's saying. <laughs> Everybody has a spirit. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about those who are truly born again. You know, yes, there are different local churches as there were in the first century. There are different, different denominations for Christians who stress certain doctrines. I'm not against different denominations as long as they hold to the core doctrines of the faith. Because some people just like to stress certain things that they, they like, that, uh, you know, ways that they worship the Lord. That's fine. But when you get off into false doctrine, then that becomes divisive. But you know what? Those who are born again are one body. Those who begin to argue that one teacher is better than another or one denomination is better than another... And I'm speaking, of course, of good biblical denominations, not the bad ones that we're quite aware of. But they they get they they're on the verge of denying the unity of the spirit. You know, we can empty the cross of Christ of its of its power to free us from sin if we sin by making divisions where the Bible does tells us not to. You know, there is a time and a place for biblical division. And that's with false teachers, false prophets, false apostles, false Christs, those who teach against the core doctrines of the faith in particular, or make false prophecies. But there's also a good kind of unity that we need to continue to strive to uphold. If we do not, then we give the enemy an entrance into our lives and our churches. You know, many churches and Christian lives have been destroyed by bad church splits. I know of many. A spirit of unforgiveness and pride comes in and will not leave until people forgive one another. We are to forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven us. Paul goes on to write, verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. 19, for it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Verse 20, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom 
did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Oh, what a what a great paragraph. Did you ever wonder why people look down on Christians sometimes? Well, it's because the relationship we have with Jesus Christ looks like foolishness to them. But Christians know where their power to live and face tomorrow comes from. They've realized they have no power in themselves, but their power lies in their relationship with the all-powerful one. Isaiah 29, 14 through 15 says, Therefore, once more I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? We have a lot of that going on today. Compared to the Almighty, even the wisdom of the wise is foolishness. The message of the gospel is foolishness to a lot of people. And not only to a few, but basically the whole world. Don't let people fool you into thinking that the world and its cultures knew about God and his gospel plan before, you know, through the stars or through their cultures. The Bible is very clear that the world did not know him. One of the strongest verses is Ephesians 2.12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Another amazing verse about Jesus. But the amazing fact is that all the way from the beginning of the world, God had a plan to redeem those who would make a choice to follow him. Every human being has gone astray, but God sent his son in order that our sin might be laid on him so that his shed blood could wash away our sins. I'm reminded of the song. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, there's no way to have a restored relationship with God without the blood of Jesus. We must believe to be saved. We must believe that Jesus Christ is God and that he has the power to forgive sins on the basis of his shed blood on the cross. Paul goes on to write, verse 22, Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. 
Amen. Thank you, Lord. The Jews of Paul's time looked for signs and wonders to bring them to faith. Greeks looked for sound arguments that would convince them to believe. But many of both nations would not accept the simple gospel message of Christ crucified because signs do not convince and logic will not suffice if a person is not ready to accept the simplicity of the gospel message, which, which looks like foolishness to some. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What they fail to realize is that God, it's God who calls man, man to salvation. Ours is not a seeker-sensitive religion, but a seeker-sought religion. God knows, God seeks, God calls, and we must answer. If we choose to believe, God justifies and glorifies. Since God is all-knowing, he already knows what our choice will be. But we do not until the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to our sinful condition upon hearing the gospel. And we confess that Jesus is Lord and God saves us. And we begin a new life following the Lord. But the world cannot be convinced by signs and wonders or logic. They must accept as a child Jesus Christ and trust in him. Luke 18, 17 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Paul goes on to write, brothers, what I, uh, brothers, think of what uh, you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Verse 28, he chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Verse 29, so that no one may boast before him. Verse 30, it's because of him that you are, on, are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Verse 31, therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Yes. All we have to do is think about ourselves. When God called on our hearts and lives, we were nothing. We were dead in our sins and miserable. But God made us something. He continues to use us, fools that we are, to confound the wise. The gospel message is a stumbling block to Jews and Greeks alike, Gentiles. We shame the strong by our simple, effective message. You know, there's a story that comes out of Saipan, which is where we were ministering in Micronesia. In World War II, when the Marines captured the island of Saipan, the Japanese ordered the inhabitants to kill themselves by jumping off a cliff. 
Hundreds of feet below were the rocks and waters of the beach. American translators yelled through bullhorns that if the inhabitants would come to the U.S. side, they could be, be spared. A few did. Most jumped. Many respond in the same way to the gospel message today. You know, the gospel message can break the heart of the strongest man, the wisest man, the, no, the most important man. We have been brought low so, so that our boast will not be in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ. He is the strong one who is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Those who rely on their own wisdom, their own experiences with signs and wonders, their own strength, their own righteousness will come to ruin in the end. Those who become like a child, relying on their father for everything, will come to be the strongest and brightest in the end. But we must continue to spread the gospel message. Once we know it, we must pass it on. Why? Because people need to know what the deal is, what reality is all about. There was a uh, article in the newspaper a while back that was entitled The Impact of Coca-Cola. It cited a survey that said 91% of the world's population has heard of Coke. 94% have seen Coke, 51% have tasted Coke, but only 10% of the world's population has heard the gospel. We need to continue to preach the gospel message because so many, so many have not heard it or they don't understand it. They haven't had it explained to them. So that's what we need to be doing. Hi, this is Sandy Simpson again. Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. You can come to my website, Apologetics Coordination Team at DeceptionInTheChurch.com or go to our YouTube site called Act TV and check out our DVDs and books, etc. Thank you so much for checking us out.